This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Electric Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I had a live human in the studio with me. I've been most of my guests have been very remote recently, so it's really nice to have you here today. You are also my first repeat Ooh. visitor, conversationalist. So this week we have Karen Kessler, who was here in July with your business partner and friend Karen Collicat. Yeah. And Karen and Karen have become good friends, mentors, uh, and people that I really enjoy having conversation with. So welcome this week. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, me too. We've been having conversation around, well, I mean, 1,000 things, but <clears throat> one of the things that I am really struggling with is around how to have conversations with people where we don't agree. So Karen and I were sort of talking around this idea and she said, oh, we need to do an episode about worldview and yes. how we enter into each other's. So that's where we're going to go today. But before we start, I had already asked Karen the question of tell me your story. How did you get here? And I also have been thinking about evolving that question into who are you and how did life show up to show you who you really are? Oh, it's such a great question. I'm glad I haven't had a lot of time to think about it. Like you warned me, <laughs> but I haven't had a chance to obsess on it. So yeah. I I worked with amazing uh, person on my, it was all framed around superpowers okay. that was able to yeah. reflect back to me what I'm really good at. And, and we showed up with the term universal translator as like my ultimate superpower. Mm -hmm. And what we found is over and over and over again, even from when I was very small, I could sort of see what was going on and put it in language that people could understand. And so I was the person that people came to to explain things. In grade 10 math, the teacher would confuse everybody, leave, and I'd get up and re-explain it. <laughs> Karen, can let me understand this. And I always seem to find another way to explain the same thing until mm -hmm. I found the thing that worked. Um, I created whole training programs, right? I would go learn something, I'd unpack it, and then I could teach other people. Um, now, as I work with leaders and I'm coaching them, I can go in and help them translate between their own unconscious mm -hmm. mind and conscious mind and help them understand themselves. So it's shown up all over the place. And I, it really took this time with Michael for me to understand that, um, that that was a cool thing about me, mm -hmm. that I could like own it. Yeah, absolutely. Universal translator. I love that. It's just, it's so clear, right? It's very clear. It's direct. When you say that people know what it means and that gives you a really beautiful foundation. Yeah. 
right? To be able to show up in all the spaces with people. And it also is a really great foundation for this conversation because what <laughs> we're talking about in a lot of ways is translation. Yes. Right. Like I think about my experience with language learners, right? So people who show up with fully formed, beautiful language structures and have to try to fit themselves into the strange boxes that English offers. Right. Right. And it's not just the linguistics. No. It's the culture that goes along with it. And yes. The... Yeah. And all of those things that don't allow them to express themselves in the way that they really want to, in the way that they know that they can. And so that's where some of the frustration in communication occurs. And I think that it happens within languages as well as betwixt languages. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. One of the, I think, um, one of the things that I've learned about is, is what we call model of the world. Right. The idea that we've created our own reality, our own understanding, our own perception of the world, and it gets crafted over time. Mm -hmm. And language is one of the filters. And even between, like, to your point, even between English speakers, if you say a word and I say a word, underneath that is so many experiences, uh -huh. uh, values and beliefs. And it, we say a word and the word's just a label of a label of a label of a uh -huh. label of something that doesn't have language. Uh -huh. And so we think we're talking about the same thing. One of the things I like to do in class and I do this around money. So if I say the word money to you, it's the first word that comes. Energy. Right. And if somebody says money to me and the first word that comes to mind is choice. So now you're talking about energy and I'm talking about choice. So we think we're having the same conversation, but we're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, there's also times where there isn't language that exists that can really express what you think and what you mean. So we end up being limited by yes. this limited language structure that we have. Exactly. Right. I, I, when I was young in my teen years, I used to be known for just making up words because there were never, there were never the words I needed to right. really express what I felt, what I thought, what I was seeing in the world. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, I, th I think that's always the best way in linguistics is to get your own word. And then people aren't allowed to go inside and decide what you mean. They have to ask. That's really powerful. Yes. Yes, because then we have we have clarity in the vocabulary that we are right. both using. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so I'm wondering now if that is where some of this misunderstanding and conflict arises, right? It's that we don't actually understand what the other person is saying. Right. Right. So we're at a time in the world where it's really hard to engage in conversation where we disagree with each other. Mm -hmm. And so that was, those were the seeds for this conversation. <laughs> we were, we were having that, we were having that conversation. And I had told Karen, I had had an experience where there was a whole culture built around truthful discourse where we could actually disagree with each other and come out on the other side, respecting each other more. Even if we didn't, even if we still didn't necessarily agree with each other, we were able to do that, translate each other's thoughts and feelings. So you so, could appreciate it, even if you didn't agree. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't let you tell me what it was because I wanted to hear right. it here. <laughs> so I'm going to tell the story. I've been sitting in an open loop now for like a week. So you have to tell me. So... so those of you who have listened to the podcast will have heard actually some of the guests on my show are part of this lived reality. So Amy Sherminska, Deb Shackle, Louise Owen. So some of you have heard us reference what was known as the program and innovation team. So it was a team that was put together by the school board that I worked for in 2014. So almost, almost a decade ago wow. now, which is hard to wrap my head around. But it was really intentionally crafted. So it's one of the only times where I have watched a process of creation like this from, be from, the, from the very beginning. So I had been speaking with a leader who I had worked for the year before. So he was a principal. 
I, he and I had worked together in a system the year before I'd gone back to the classroom and I had come across this book by an educational thought leader. Her name was Lucy West and it was called agents of change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a great read. And part of the structure of that. So this part is really specific to education. We will be, we'll, we'll move beyond this. This will be quick, but, um, is having a team of content specific experts who collaboratively work together. Mm. So this book was kind of filtering in the educational con conscious at this time. And there was a lead. So the superintendent of program was someone who was a visionary leader. So, and she was, and she was working with this principal as well. So the two of them sort of took the, foundational ideas from agents of change and said, we're going to create a team that's going to do this. Nice. So they hired for this team. We were a team of about 12, I believe the first year. And there was a lot of magic. I also understand now that went into the hiring process because they hired like just the right people to be able to make this work. And then the leadership that we had provided, we went away on a retreat in the first week of school to really get to know each other, to really build the foundation of this is who we are as a team. This is what our mission is. And this is the work we're going to do in the system. Nice. So we were clear about our purpose and, and intention. There was fun built into it. So that we could, we could bond, we could bond. And, um, Anita Simpson, who was the superintendent who was leading this work, she talked about the fact that work and learning should be fun and should be joyful. So that was also one of our fundamental principles. Nice. So we had a very intentional culture that was built. There were structures put into it where Fridays, we always came together to talk about what was happening in our worlds. We even at one point had a structure for, it was called problems of practice for lack of a better word, but we'd bring something forward. There was a discourse structure that we went through. So we, it was like we practiced with all of these structures first. And then once we knew it in our brains and our bodies, we didn't need the structures anymore. That's right. And it just came and it actually transformed the way we communicated with each other. So one of the clearest examples I can give is we used, we had this big open space with a big, long <laughs> table, water. <laughs> with a big long table and then there were individual workspaces around it but for the most part we would always just sit around this big harvest table and have conversation and i i was sitting on this side of the table and some of my colleagues are on the other side and um louise who's been on the show before was beside me so we were elementary educators louise and i and the amy and chris were across from us were secondary educators and so, so a different perspective, very different perspectives, Loving this. Okay. particularly around assessment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Say more. So Louise and I were doing a lot of work and other people on the team as well. We're doing a lot of work around transforming assessment. So moving away from assigning numbers and grades to people to providing them with feedback. Right. So that we took the emphasis off of achievement and put the emphasis on learning progress even yes yeah, yeah, yeah because we talk a lot about how education is actually a really great system for sustaining mediocrity huh. because once you give someone like a b or a c or even an a let's say that learning is dead and it's done it no longer has value because an external source has given it has i don't even has given it value but that's not even the right word but that's the point. What gets measured gets done. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to like pull that back and we are, it, this is grounded on lots of research as well. Like we're not, we're not making this up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very well-researched movement. So my secondary colleagues who are across the table from us 
as you can imagine, because in, in elementary, there is a little bit more flexibility for that. In secondary, they were like, no, these kids are on their way to university, college, they have to have a grade. So we got into this extremely heated, like it was hot. I was sweating. <laughs> we were, we were really getting, we were really in it, but we were in the issues right. with each other. We were not at each other, like nothing we were saying was harmful to the humanity of the person across the table from me. Yes. We were tussling with the ideas and the issues. And at the end, we, there was a real exchange of idea that happened where Louise and I were, could see more where the barriers would be, which yeah. is helpful to know where the barriers are. Oh, yeah. And they could see the value of just focusing on learning. And Amy actually ended up, when she went back to the classroom, even in her grade 12 academic chemistry class, she did not give them grades. And she had developed this incredible system for feedback and self-reflection that really had them focusing on the learning. Wow. So there was this impact. And that's just like, that's one example so I of how the teams function. And I know it was a yes. while ago, but mm. do you remember the moment that what they were saying got in to your awareness where it wasn't a pushing back? It actually got in. Do you mm. remember how that That's a happened? really good question. Part of that I would say is built, would be built on the fact that I respected them. So you were listening to what they had to say. Yeah. Yes. I, re I respected them as educators. I respected them as human beings. And so I knew that whatever they were bringing me was from a place of integrity and actual, like really caring about kids and trying to provide them the best experience they could. So, so you let yourself be curious. I let myself be curious knowing that they were coming with true intention. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. So you didn't make it personal. No. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing, right? Like there was a clear perspective that this is what we're talking about. This is not what we're talking about. Yes. And not everyone in the world has that maturity. Mm -hmm. So what, do you, well, <laughs> yeah. So this was the other part of the story that you're like, well, and then what happened? So for, from that conversation, like we got up, we hugged and we actually more deeply respected each other as leaders and educators because of that conversation. So that became the culture of our team where we would do that. And sometimes I would find myself in professional learning situations with people who weren't coming from the same perspective and then things would get hot on different levels. Yeah. And we lit a lot of, we lit a lot of fires of change that were sweeping across the board and the institutional structure did not come to the table with the same intention right. that, that the work of that team had. And so we ended up being destroyed by the institution. Yes. Yes. That's how memes work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's, here's an important piece. So um, memes, not memes that you see on Facebook and social media, the actual term of meme is an actual packet of information, mm -hmm. right? And it likes to self-replicate. Right. And it will create environments in order for it to do that. And mm -hmm. it's like a virus and it will try to destroy the yes. opposite meme. It's how we've ended up in almost every war that there is mm -hmm. have been memes fighting each other yes. and they show up in culture and language. There's memes have whole structures underneath them of ethics and morals and mm -hmm. everything else. And the more structured and long-term they've been, the more powerful they tend to be. And so you guys were creating a brand new meme mm -hmm. and the actual system had a much stronger one. Yes. And you were actually dangerous to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got exterminated like a virus. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I will, like, the trauma of that, I will say, still deeply resonates for me because you asked a question of me in September <laughs> that had been, like, it had been, like, bubbling under the surface and you just really put words to it and put it out loud. And you said, how much of your anger around education is, is standing in the way of what you're trying to create? <laughs> I was like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. 
<laughs> and, and much of it is connected to this experience that I had, which brings me back to, so how do we have conversations with people? How do we bring memes together so that we can actually hear each other and create collective change rather than trying to exterminate each other? Right. It's a great question. And the very first thing that's required is to be aware of your meme. Mm -hmm. Often we are unaware of it. Mm -hmm. It's just me, me, me. Right. Right. Can we be aware of our opinions, the words we choose, how we express, how we show up with other people, how much of that is a meme moving inside of us mm -hmm. that isn't even our authentic self? Right. Right. When we are isolated inside and only hang out with people who agree with us mm -hmm. that foster that meme. Yeah. Right. Then what happens is we go out and we don't go out as ourselves. We go out as a representation of that meme, mm -hmm. which is why we have such surface conversations with other people that tend to end up in heated arguments or us feeling. And when people don't agree with us, we think it's us. No, it's our meme they don't agree with, not us. Right. But we don't separate. So when we, whoever in the room has that separation, that understanding that these are my beliefs and opinions mm -hmm. that are getting validated in most of my world. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at relative's house for a family observance mm -hmm. and I'm coming in touch with all of these people I don't see very often yeah. coming with their own meme or I'm at the grocery store or I'm wherever I happen to be. So the first thing is awareness and the person with the most awareness it's their job to have the most behavioral flexibility right. to choose how to have the conversation. So can you break down a little bit more what behavioral flexibility is? Sure. So behavioral flex. So basically there's something we call the law of requisite variety. The part of the system or the person inside the system with the most behavioral flexibility is in control. So in your family home, it's your three-year-old. Right. Right. In yes. public, the three-year-old yeah. is willing to do anything and doesn't care. Mm -hmm. They're the ones in control of the timetable, the volume, right? <laughs> everything that's going on, right? We, yep. we wrap our whole lives around whoever has the most behavioral flexibility. We get trained out of behavioral flexibility inside of systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are rules inside society. And so when everybody's following the rules, it's the person who's willing to be outside of that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. that has the control of the system because they can bob and weave and do what they need to do. Okay. So we can be having this conversation. And if I was speaking to one of my relatives who I saw last week, we could have the same conversation, but I wouldn't be using the same words. Right. And I wouldn't be coming from the same place. And I'd probably be doing a lot more listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Karen's making a, Karen's making the big eye face at me. Yeah. Everybody can relate to you when you're listening right? and your eyes just keep getting bigger. <laughs> yes. Because I like to have these conversations mm -hmm. and not everyone is a place to have this conversation and that needs to be okay. Yes. That needs to be okay. That can't be my ego about that. That just needs to be part of the truth. Right. And then I get to choose where my focus is. That's number two. So do I have the awareness to understand that I'm the one that's in control of this conversation? If it goes sideways, it's on me. Okay. That's first. Second is, can I be present and curious? Mm -hmm. Can I not be attached to changing your mind? Yeah. It's none of my business to change your mind. If I take my meme and infect you with it, and then you go back into your supportive environment, and now you don't have it anymore. And I'm not there to clean up the mess. Right. What makes my meme better than yours? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So what makes my meme better than yours? I think that that is a really powerful place to dig into because it is that. And when you use the words presence and curiosity, so curiosity is a word that I, that's kind of becoming a theme on this show because I believe in the power of curiosity so much. I think it is what makes transformative leaders. I think it is what makes, you know, lasting relationships when you can come to it from a place of curiosity rather than from a place of either judgment or a place where you're looking for someone else to define yeah. you, to give you validation from the external, all of those things. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Because then we're not approaching things from curiosity. We're, we're approaching place, things from this place of like lack 
Yeah. Yes. That, that where my value comes from what you think of me as opposed to the value I place on myself. Mm -hmm. it's, it's external instead of internal, which is basically what you said. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about, we're going to go, I'm going to take us big and then bring us back down. But when we think about all of the conflict that's happening in the world, yeah. the reason we can't come together is because people who, in, who are in leadership positions are coming to it from a place of scarcity, lack, and fear, mm -hmm. rather than a place of curiosity. Right. Right. So that is the underlying, I mean, when we're having this conversation, we're in the midst of multiple wars in the Ukraine, Palestine, and Israel. And the Palestinian-Israeli conversation is fraught with so much history, yep, uh, fracture, judgment, fear, all of all of the things. It's almost getting in the way of people even being being able to have conversation about the conflict, let alone the conflict itself. Right. It's a very complex thing. Yes. And everybody wants to put it into a very simple box, yeah. and then beat you over the head with a very simple box that they tried to put it in. Mm -hmm. So. Pretending that it's a simple conversation yeah. is is just an excuse to have my mean beat you over the head, right? Like right. that's it. Yes, that that's that's what's happening. I'm going to make it super simple. Yeah, put it in a box which it doesn't fit in. No, and then that's what I want to argue about. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a win lose. Right, right. And it is too complex for that. Absolutely. Yeah. At this point, there is no winning and losing. Right. So this right. is a great example. So if we're at the kitchen table and this starts happening mm -hmm. and you'll see it in generations. Yes. Right. Different generations will have a different idea, uh, a different perspective on what's going on there. Mm -hmm. What do they remember? What are their experiences? Where do they get their news? Where do they get their opinions from? Mm -hmm. What what do the words mean to them? Because yes. what words mean changes throughout generations. We start to use them differently. So when we're across the dining room table from somebody and someone, they throw that grenade in, mm -hmm. you know, they pop it and they go, <laughs> yeah, this inflammatory single statement yes. right? that comes with such confidence and zero self-awareness. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite. Yes. So it's our job in that awareness to go, oh, that's evidence of the fact that, okay, how am I going to choose to respond to this? Mm -hmm. And I don't have to respond at all to it. Right. But what I can do, to your point, I can use my curiosity mm -hmm. and I can say a number of things. Go, I've heard that opinion. What other opinions are there? Mm. Wow. Or yes. that's interesting. Who did you hear that from? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, I've heard that too. Do you feel like I'm packing it? Right. Like, I don't have to say anything about whether or not I agree with it. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's my job to not agree or disagree with it at all. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So this is how, when we were talking before, you had said, how do we enter each other's model of the world without knocking over the plants, right. right? Without destroying each other's model of the world. So how, so I hear that really clearly, right? Like, oh, that's an opinion. What other opinions are there? And that is a way of entering someone's model of the world without blowing it up. Exactly. Right. Yep. Just asking for more information. So understanding that a model of the world, first of all, is created with the language we talked about, beliefs, experiences, memories, decisions people have made, their underlying motivational programming, what's important to them, all come together into that model of the world. And then our brains are designed to ratify that, to get um, 
confidence that it's right. Mm -hmm. Right. That this is what we call the confirmation bias. We're looking for it everywhere. Right. And social media does a really good job of helping us do that. The whole rabbit Mm -hmm. effect. So understanding how, or just making the assumption that it's really structured and strong. Mm -hmm. The fact that someone's willing to do that. We have to tread lightly. Yeah. And be able to ask questions with tonality. That doesn't sound like we're challenging. Mm -hmm. So now we have to be aware of our tonality, right? We have to actually seriously be curious. Yes. can't fake it. And that requires us to actually be present in our bodies and notice what we're feeling. Because I know (laughs) when someone says something, this is what happens. When someone says something that I disagree with, I feel it. Like I can feel my cheeks start to get hot. I can feel, I start, I start to sweat. My heart starts to pound a little bit more. But if I am so in protection mode around this conversation that I'm not even in my body, I'm not going to notice That's right. those things. So what are some things we can do to be, mm, how do I want to phrase this, to relax some of the protection so that we can actually be in our bodies, especially when our bodies are not necessarily safe places to be. Right. Yeah. So the first thing is honoring that. You can't make that wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, body, it's okay. I've got this. Okay. Like, I acknowledge Mm -hmm. that you're feeling kind of unsafe right now. And if it's safer for me just to sit here and not say anything, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not my job to defend my meme. Right. Or any group of people. Mm. It's not my job. Grandpa's not hurting anybody with his little robbed bomb into the dining room table that he did just because he wanted to stir things up. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't, people don't require us to protect them. Yes. And and that's really important that wants to be protected. Like to understand that it's the meme in me that's moving. Mm -hmm. And then, so I just want to honor myself and like, is it okay to engage in this conversation? If it's not, then don't, Mm -hmm. you're not the most flexible person in the room Mm -hmm. at that point. You're just not. And that's okay. Yes. And you, and you have to be okay. And you can, because you physiologically cannot be right. If you can't get into a neutral place of curiosity, then Mm -hmm. you don't belong in the conversation. Right. Like care for yourself. Mm -hmm. That has to be the number one thing. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise all you're going to do is inflame the whole thing. For no reason. Right. Right. Uh, The next thing then is if your body calms down immediately, which mine does, as soon as I honor it and go, oh, goodness, you've got stuff. Mm -hmm. Is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help you, Mm -hmm. body? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Do you think you can settle? Do you want to play? Do you want to play? Yeah. Do you want to go see what's going on in there? Because you know what? Maybe my meme, maybe there's something missing in it. Maybe it needs to be evolved. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's something I'm missing. Do you feel safe enough to go in and check in on what we believe by engaging over there? Yeah. What a mind shift, right? Of that, of choice. So that takes us from curiosity into the choice component of, I get to choose how I engage in this and also what I either receive or give in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And if I know I'm coming from a really strong place and I did have that response and it's obvious in my physiology, mm-hmm. and if, depending on the person, I might say, you know what? I think I have a different opinion. Can I hear more about yours? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I hear more about yours? How many of us, when we're having that response, go that way, right? Like when I think back, did I ever do that? If someone disagreed with me, and again, I'm thinking from a professional situation because the, I think a good place to weave this in here too is that, <laughs> so earlier today we were talking about, I was sharing that I can very comfortably engage in conversation that might be challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So we might have a difference of opinion if I am standing behind behind academia. Right. Right. Like I can come into a situation, you know, I'll use that assessment example again. Right. There was nothing. Here's my mean. Yeah. There's nothing personal in that for me, really, aside from things that I really value and I think are important. There's that. But. And you'll keep those. Yes. And I'm standing behind. I even said it when we were talking. I was standing behind research and an academic process and structure. 
So I sometimes feel like my own bomb or just a live bomb walking through the world now that I've taken that off and I have stepped out of a very societally accepted role. Yep. And I have, I rejected it. So in that rejection, there's, and I, there's a lot of projection coming my way and things that I project out as well. So when it is so deeply personal, yep. I think my question is like, how do I diffuse that bomb for myself and for the people okay. around me? I, I can help with that. So mm-hmm. one of the things that's happening for all of us as we're evolving, mm-hmm. all right, is we're actually moving from one meme into another. It's the essence of the evolution. Mm-hmm. So you were in a very systems mm-hmm. type meme. And so uh, peer pressure is used to keep everybody inside. In mm-hmm. Australia, they talk about the tall poppy syndrome, yes. where the tallest poppies get their heads lopped off. So everybody's like walking like this, mm-hmm. right? When you start to evolve beyond that and you start to want change and People don't want the change. You get rejected, but you talked to a whole team was exterminated because mm-hmm. you wanted to create change inside the system and, and safety means keeping things the same in systems thinking. Mm-hmm. When you're moving more into the entrepreneurial thinking, mm-hmm. when you're like going into about, I can be more, I want to make an impact instead of we, it's about me. These folks make you feel bad about that, but it's a natural part of evolution mm-hmm. is to do that, to go use those skills out in the world, but it's a whole new meme, a whole new set of beliefs and values and resources and skill sets. And even what books you have on your shelf completely change. Now in, it's just like going up a set of stairs. You must reject the step you were on before mm-hmm. in order to fully claim the step above. Right. So the rejection was normal. The thing is when you go upside up a set of stairs, you have no opinion on the stair that you just stepped off of. Hmm. Right. There's a neutrality hmm. in it, knowing that at some point I'm going to need that stare again. Mm-hmm. So it's your job as you get up here to get closure on that piece, which will allow you to move into neutrality. Right. To be neutral about the system serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like systems evolved because there was chaos. Yes. So systems allow us to drive across the city of Toronto and not take three days because everyone agrees that a red light means stop. Right. Everyone agrees that a green light means go. Mm -hmm. Everyone agrees on, which is why values level four, sorry, systems thinking person gets very, very upset when someone like goes through a red light. How dare you? Yes. Follow the rules. You didn't follow the rules. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. And then in the next um, level, in the next level of thinking, in the next meme, it's like, all right, it's three o'clock in the morning and no one's around. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to turn right and go around here so that I can turn right over there. <laughs> I am not waiting all night for this lane. Right? So we make, we make two legal turns that someone else would have a problem with. It's legal. Yes. Because I won't, I won't break the law, but I'm going to stretch it all the way out. I'm going to follow the actual essence of the law. Right. The law's about safety, so I'm going to make sure I'm safe. Yes. Right? We start thinking about things very differently, which upsets mm-hmm. the people who feel safe in the system thinking. So this is the thing. So as understanding that we're all evolving, mm-hmm. that evolving's a choice, some people will spend their whole lifetime in wherever they evolve to and as an adult, and we need to love them anyway. Mm-hmm. But those of us that are moving are now still engaging Yes. And the only way to do that is to become neutral on it. And I've just been sitting here like looking up because I'm thinking part I think of becoming neutrality is accepting your own role in what you experienced. And that it was meeting your need while you were there. Yes. And, and, and also I can now look back and see, like, I, I understand why the system did that because I was using language like burn it down. Yes. So (laughs) I can, I, I see my role in the inflammatory nature. And so by accepting that and knowing there was reciprocity in this experience, 
I can start to, that starts to neutralize right. some of the, you know, trauma that I experienced sure. in that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that are sort of the, my baseline beliefs inside my being is that we are always doing the best we can with the resources we have available. And sometimes the best we're doing sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so the key point of forgiveness for ourselves and even to staying out of being judgy about others and where they're coming from is they really are doing the best they can with what they know and resources they have available. Yes. And how resourced they are changes moment to moment. Mm -hmm. So instead I can have compassion for the person that that's their only, that was their best choice right now to get their needs met. That's hard. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yes. Right. And to look back at yourself going, you were in the middle of change mm-hmm. and you needed to reject the system and the system needed to reject you mm-hmm. and that it wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it felt like, it. yeah, there's still a little part of me that's like, Oh, it was personal. There's a, so that's where, that's where I, that's where I still have some work sure. to do. And it, yeah. And you know what it'll, but you're unwinding it already. You, mm-hmm. you already have been unwinding it. Mm-hmm. And the more you do, the less energy it takes. Yes. Because often when I'm working with entrepreneurs and they've done that rejection, then what they want is like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur because I can work whenever I want and do whatever I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. It says, oh, your business is going to tell you when you need to work, how you need to work. And it's going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we don't have systems in our business, we're not in business. For very long. Yeah. And so if we don't make nice, nice mm-hmm. with the systems that we rejected, it's kind of hard to move forward. Yeah. Absolutely. So neutrality, neutrality and approaching, approaching not only, you know, our businesses, but also relationships and ideas. It's the other thing, right? Is approaching ideas from a place of curiosity yes, rather than an initial place of judgment. Right. Understanding that someone else's ideas actually can infect you. Mm-hmm. You get a choice. You get a choice. Right. Yeah. I one of the most beautiful things that ever happened to me is when I stopped needing certainty in my environment. Mm-hmm. That instead I I got this confidence inside that I could sort whatever happened. I didn't need my environment to stay the same. I didn't have to have any of that, right? It was just inside, whatever happens, it'll be okay. Yeah, And so now I don't have to be on guard against other people's opinions and ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm just ha- to put it on the table. I just want to see it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Tell me more about that. What, what convinced you of that? Mm-hmm. And if I can build that kind of rapport and connection with someone that they feel safe enough with me that they can put those key beliefs that they've been fighting about mm-hmm. on social media or with family and other people, if they've been fighting over it, but they feel safe enough to just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's a measure. I tell this to my students, like it's, it's an exercise until you can spend 10 minutes inside someone else's model of the world. And they never figured out that you disagree. Mm-hmm. Then you've got more work to do mm-hmm. and being able to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And that, and then that also means that we, that boundaries are going to be important, right? Because when someone comes forward, so this is where I always like, this is where I wrestle with this because when someone comes forward with an idea that is harmful to people, yeah, I, and like, I understand entering into their model of the world in a way that they can feel safe uh-huh. so that they can hear. And then, so now you have an agenda. Yeah, right. Yeah, I totally do. Just as long as you're clear, yeah, that you have an agenda. That's not the same thing. Yeah. So this is that, and that. This is where I am so curious. When people have a model of the world that is harmful, and we know that it's harmful. Every meme is harmful. I would argue. Okay, tell me more about that. (laughs) So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Depending on where someone's evolution is. Right. Depends on how their whole environment is set up and what they need in order to be safe inside that environment. Right. And so we decide what's safe and not safe based on where we are right now and our ability to see the world. Right. Okay. So 
if we like just take this and put it into really practical terms. So if, so I believe that the gender spectrum is the gender spectrum. You get to be wherever you want to be on that and you get to be free in the world and no one should be able to make choices for you about that. Right. Right. That's part of your beliefs. It's part of your meme. Right. And yeah. if I enter into somebody else's world where they believe something differently, my meme is harmful to them because it's challenging their sense of safety. It, yeah. Especially if you attack them over it. Right. Yes. If your meme gets its back up mm -hmm. and you attack, now that person actually retreats back into their meme and now it's actually stronger. stronger. Right. Yeah. So instead of helping the people that you want to advocate for, you've actually created someone more harmful in their world. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is, and it's true. And I've seen, I have witnessed it happen. Yeah. Now you can right. set neutral boundaries, mm -hmm. especially, and, it, and this is the thing, this is the, the part that I try to remember. So when older family members talk about very old things that mm -hmm. used to be okay, used to be funny. Yes. Right. Used mm -hmm. to be fun. Humor has changed a lot about what's okay and what's not okay. Who else is in the room? And did their statement actually create damage in the room in the moment? Right. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. we extrapolate to people who are miles or hours away. Yes. Of being harmful and wanting to protect this person who's not even here. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're in a multi-generational thing, and I know that a teenager at the table or a young person at the table is going through this and still on the gender thing and trying to figure themselves out and being rocked all over the place by social media and, mm -hmm. and somebody says something. Now I'm going to sit. Now we're boundaries. Okay. Now, this now we're boundarying the meme and I don't want to go against that. What I want to do is say to this person, mm -hmm. are you good? Right. That was a very old opinion. Are you good? And they might be fine with it. Mm -hmm. Just knowing they have an advocate in the room is enough. Mm -hmm. As opposed to needing to go to bat for them if they didn't even ask you to. Right. Because then that can also them in a hard position now right? the spotlight's on them and all they want to do is melt into the chair right or the yeah. piano bench or whatever they happen to be sitting on mm -hmm. <laughs> right yeah so it's um sometimes we play a role of advocate because it makes us feel better right which is the heart of like white feminism right or yeah the white savior idea right that it has to be me who comes in to save you where by asking that question of the human who potentially could have harm, harm or trauma is that it gives the opportunity to say, if you want to speak now, I got your back. Yep. Or if you want me to help you in this situation, I will do that. But you, the power is yours. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the way we invite everybody to the table. Right. Right. And often if like, Uncle Joe or whatever is just unaware that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Just having an opportunity to save that relationship mm -hmm. and for them to get that that's what's happening. Like how many times have people had this very black and white? This is it. We, we create this false simplicity mm -hmm. and then we have very strong opinions about it. Um, sometimes the business of taking the bow off and unpacking that false simplicity mm -hmm. comes from the fact that somebody I care about and love about has a personal story about it. Yes. Yeah. And now I have to choose between the story of the person that I care about and this false simplicity. Probably the first thing I'm going to do is put that down or at least unpack it mm -hmm. and realize and how many people have become advocates because of family members mm -hmm. because they actually were able to hear a story that mattered. Yeah. Instead of just being told that they were a stick in the mud that didn't know what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. And that it is in the storytelling, right? It is in the narrative that we're actually able to see and hear each other. And so creating spaces where narrative is possible. Thank you for this conversation. <laughs> um, I think it's really, I think it's really, really important because the further apart we as humans get from being able to witness and see each other's humanity, the more splintered we become and it becomes more challenging to come back. Yeah. So we wish you peace in your relationships <laughs> and that hopefully some of these strategies can be really helpful when you're in those situations that feel 
hard. Yeah. Curiosity and neutrality for all. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Lboat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.